we're just boys. We're just boys. And we like beer. We like beer. If you think that that sounds hazy, then Lord, we'll make it clear. We like Blondells, IPAs, cider stouts from the USA. We're just boys. And we like beer. Yeah, we're just boys. We like beer. We like beer. Welcome back to the Upstate Beer Boys Podcast. As always, thank you, Mr. Hitchcock, for our theme song. We are here in quaint downtown Simpsonville, the Clock Tower Tap Room, our unofficial official home. And, uh, gentlemen, it's great to be back. Yes, sir. How are you today? I'm fine and dandy. How about you, Mayor? I'm doing great. And we have sitting with us, um, Jim Bear. From uh, the clock tower, as uh, Eddie's not quite here just yet. <laughs> so uh, we'll start this off. Uh, gentlemen, what are we drinking? Well, I have brought a mystery beer from 13 Stripes that each of you have a pour in your cup. Split four ways that Mr. Michael at 13 Stripes gave us. Previous guest of the show. Yep. And I have no clue what it is. <laughs> he gave us... What, eight or nine cans that didn't have labels? Uh, he actually gave us a case. We split it three ways. So, oh, yeah. Thank and you. thank you, Mr. Michael. It's It's been fantastic. So, so I don't know what it is. It's, uh, it's, it's hazy. It, it smells, smells so orangey. And Wayne's guess was that it was freeborn. I'm thinking it's opposed to, I'm thinking it's opposed to tyrant based off the aroma. Definitely an IPA. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chase, you might be on to something there with the opposed tyrant because... Definitely not Freeborn. I don't think it's opposed tyrant anymore. Freeborn's a lot hoppier. Definitely has a, a um, orange or citrusy acid on the front mm-hmm. end right mm-hmm. when you put it in your mouth. I think it is, I think it is Freeborn, Mayor. Actually, the reason I think it might be opposed to tyrant... It's not opposed to tyrant. Opposed tyrant tastes like doesn't taste like alcohol. It just tastes like orange juice. Yeah, but Freeborn... It's like orange juice. Freeborn, to me, doesn't have that... Uh, I gotta agree. That, that, that clear finish, which uh, Pose the Tyrant does, but... But it's not so hoppy that you can't drink it. I mean, the hops do hang on the tongue and in the back, but... Yeah, but you know, it doesn't have that strong bite right. that a lot of hoppy beers mm-hmm. have, either. Cheer beers on my side, though. Freeborn. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor's well, outvoted. <laughs> That's okay. Same again. it as well. <laughs> well, it, it could be uh, Future World 16. They just came out with it. Yeah. It could be, but it, it tastes... If I were to say it was a beer of the Future World series, I would have guessed it was 15, not 16. I didn't have 15, so I don't... 15 to me was a lot more bitter. Okay. <clears throat> well, unfortunately... Michael didn't even know what it was, so we'll never know. <laughs> so we don't know that we don't know the answer. Nope, it's, it's a, a blank can. It's a mystery. <laughs> the answer to me is it's a damn good beer. Yeah, I like it. Be a little colder, but I, but I like it. Well, I almost asked when we got here if we put it in the fridge, but we got a little ice pack that I stole from my wife. <laughs> it's good. I like it. I can drink this. Okay. Do we have an alcohol content? Do we know? Nope. Complete it's a, mystery. <laughs> we know, literally, Michael, this is what Michael gave us. Silver can, no markings. No points, markings at all. Rolled around in the back seat a couple times. 
the way he explained it to us is when they start their canning line, which, believe it or not, they actually can all their beers on one small machine that I could not imagine it's they not can't. not as big as this table. Not even as big it's as the same old canning machine that could. And they can by hand, or they label by hand. And so they don't have a machine that labels it. Now that amazed me. Yeah, that's that's amazing into itself. But uh, these cans that he gave us were, I guess, the start of the production run. So, so they don't know what they are in them. May not even may not even have full pours in them. But uh, yeah, he said some of them could be like half or three quarter, but every single can I've opened so far, you know, I was able to split this in four ways, and all of us got a pretty good pour from it. So yeah, that one seemed to be a full full pour. Um, there was one night when I got home that I poured um, that uh, it was about three quarters, which was good yeah. because it was definitely one of their uh, high gravity beers for sure. The barrel aged. That's yeah. what I got. That's what I, I got, got one of those, mind. too. You, gotta, you were saying earlier that you like or dislike barrel-aged? Or what's, what's the difference? What makes it different? What separates it from the rest? Other than a higher alcohol content, maybe. Boozier. Mm -hmm. It's just some people can't Punching. handle the boozy <laughs> from the barrel-aged. Oh. Setting in the bourbon barrels. Right. Okay. Yeah. Makes you kick your head back and forth when you take a whiff of it. <laughs> that's a campfire beer. That's one of those beers that you're at the end of the night and you're just wanting to cap off. That's not a all-day drinking beer. That is a end-of-the-night campfire beer. Head hit the pillow, done. Or if you want to start your night off and get started, you just start off with a barrel age right off the top and you're feeling good the rest of the night. We got a couple more uh, beers to share on the table. Oh, okay. You're just, you're just, you're, I, I said to be the golden one first. You're, you want to do the brown first? Okay, that's fine. No, you said dent, 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 like you were doing any, mini my yeah, nose. No, well, you like one, the nuts two, one, two. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Why would I take a brown man on the drink after a New England style? I thought you were doing any, mini my nose. No. <laughs> And to our listeners, we have no script, so. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what makes it fun. Isn't that what you were saying earlier? <laughs> Absolutely. It makes it real. This is a, uh, I was over at previous guest of the show, New Groove Artisan Brewery, a little while ago. And uh, I brought, picked up a cup, a four-pack to share with the guys. This is the Lake Bowen Golden Ale. 5% alcohol by volume. We popped the can, gentlemen. He splooshed. Splooshed. <laughs> Mayor, will you do the honors? Yeah. I think we might get ready to be losing one of our guests. Because he's got to take care of customers. And money comes first. Guess, ha guess happiness comes first. Now, for those of you not in the upstate, this uh, Lake Bowen Golden Ale is named after Lake Bowen, which is in Spartanburg County. Oh. 
And being that New Groove Brewing is right there in uh, Bowen Springs, they're not too far from the Lake Bowen area. Mm. Very hoppy pilsner like aroma. You know, going back to this question on the barrel age, their uh, their uh, Fooder series beers that they had, they had their Pilsner that was brewed in uh, that Fooder barrel. That had a nice uh, oaky taste to it, but it wasn't like overpowering like a bourbon barrel age for sure. Yeah. What do you think of the aroma? You got Pilsner? Or am I just off base? A little bit. That's what I thought, too. Mayor, what you got? Did you smell it yet? I have not. I've been taking pictures for our social media. <laughs> well, somebody's got to. <laughs> I thought Wayne was the director of marketing. <laughs> and what style is this? This is a golden ale. Okay. It's got more of a... Like a I say, it's got more okay, of a Pilsner three for three. Three for three. <laughs> And again, once and for all, our, our listeners can't appreciate this, but uh, just the mayor has snorted another beer. That is the second time on our show that he snorted a beer up his nose. Maybe the third, I'm not sure. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's probably third or fourth. He can't help it, he just gets so excited he has to get in the quickest way possible. No, hmm. uh, before I was talking about the barrel-aged beer being a campfire last beer you mm. want to drink. This is... This could be an everyday sipper. This could be an everyday sipper. This could be a first beer of the night. This could be a middle beer of the night. Absolutely. This will be one of those where I want some beers, but I got to go to work the next day type thing. Yeah. Well, 5%, it kind of is. And I didn't realize, I guess I wasn't listening. Did you tell who it was from? New Groove. Yeah. I know you picked it up, but I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't hear you say if, who it was from previous. Previous guests of the show, yeah. Yeah, we even talked about uh, the lake it's named after, too. Oh, I heard that part. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't sure. Oh, Mr. Well. Selfie over here. I guess we're not doing cheers on Can this one. Can we cheers? Well, they're plastic. That's all right. cheers. <laughs> we cheers, for those of you who couldn't hear that. I like it. Have you guys had any uh, other... Sampling from New Groove since the last time we were there? I have not. Not even no. that uh, Pilsner? Uh, the one uh, Josh gave us at the festival? Well, I took some oh, home. That was the Pilsner. That was a Pilsner that he gave us. I drank the whole can. I was supposed to share it. <laughs> but every time I kept asking you, you had a beer in your hand, I'm like, all right, I'll just drink it. <laughs> now I need to go back out there and pick up some more beer. While we uh, finish this, while we finish these, why don't we start talking about the next one? Sure. We have to share. You want to say the name of it? I love the name. <laughs> this is from another previous guest of the show, Plank Corner Brewing, also up in the Spartanburg Brewing Spring Springs area. It's called Nut to Butt. Six point six percent alcohol by volume. This is a brown ale, and uh, get ready for it, gentlemen. Collab with, Love dust, it. with dust Off Brewing. 
Stephen, where was, remind, refresh my memory, where was Dust Off from? Fort Mill, Rock Hill, I can't remember. Oh, okay. It's right. extremely... they're out of state. No, it's extremely close. Um, Dust Off Brewing is military base, veteran owned. All their beers have some type of military reference, kind of like 13 Stripes. Um, and Plank Honor. And Plank Honor. Yep, sorry, forgot. I left them out. <laughs> but yeah, they... They're extremely close to legal remedy mm-hmm. down there. So I think that's Rock Hill, isn't it? So what's the story behind the collab on this one? Um, if you don't know, I, I, I can I can tell you on that. Um, the collab between Dust Off Brewing and Plank Owner Brewing is for the Army-Navy game. Since they have people in the Navy um, at Plank Owner I think Dust Off and also the Army at Plank Owner Dust Off. They usually release this around the Army Navy game. So Okay. Well I didn't know what Dust Off's connection was to what to a particular branch of the military. But I did we did know based on our interview of Plank Owner that Sean the owner is former Navy and Kyle the head brewer is former Army. Yes. Not so. know what Dust Off's connection to the mil- what military branch was. Yeah, they are veteran owned, so I don't know what the connection that Sean has with them, but I definitely know it's better known. I've been in there a couple times, and they've got a helicopter um, on their their label. And on this label, it does have the um, the ship on there with the uh, hop cannonballs on it. Yep, it's their generic. Not a pirate ship. Uh, just it's their generic label. Man of War Naval Ship. It is seared into Chase's brain forever. 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 <laughs> well, you know, how about you do the honors? Alright. Yeah, Sean set, set us straight real quick. <laughs> we were not being disrespectful at all, but Sean definitely explained to us. And well, it sounded like Sean has had that question asked of him before. Too, in, in all honesty. I'm sure he has. I'm sure. It might even be an everyday occurrence. <laughs> Although, you know, they're under the black flag beer that they brew. Kind of leads a little confusion to that, but neither here nor there. You know, as far as Sean and Kyle and the guys there, we uh, greatly appreciate their service and their beer. And their hospitality. Absolutely. We actually set up with them, Wayne. You weren't able to go um, next year, I hope, or this oh, year. Oh, it's it's our whatever date pops up on the calendar. It's already up, marked off. So, <laughs> but so when we went to the the Bremen Beer Fest, Chase and I, we actually set mm-hmm. up right beside Sean. Oh, uh, Sean. Kyle. Yeah, Kyle was there. Sean's booth, but Kyle was running it. So yeah. I can speak on their hospitality, too, because when they announced that they still had some steins left, um, I messaged him on Instagram, and he set aside three so I could pick them up for the three of us. So. Oh, Thanks, yeah. Kyle. That's that. mm-hmm. Those were our little gift that you got. Mm-hmm. And there's our host, just walking in the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, Wayne, dark beers and brown ales tend to be more of your forte. Why don't you give us the first uh, reaction to the aroma? Mmm. Very malty, very dark, very yummy. 
this is my this is in my wheelhouse for sure. Yeah, I get multi too. Maybe a little, little well, diet. Not I don't want to say coffee because it's not coffee, but like that, whatever that roasty essence is of like coffee mean. It's almost like a maybe a pecan or a walnut or maybe. something nutty. I mean, it's yeah. in the name, nut to butt. So yeah, yeah. nut to butt. Mayor, what you got up the uh, nasal capacity, and don't snort it. Brown ale. If you want to snort it, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> we just may have to start videoing these segments because it'll be much funnier. Yeah, when I'm pouring beer out of my nose because I smelled it too strongly. It's a faucet. I heard TikTok is a thing, so, I mean, we could go viral. <laughs> yeah, I, I smell brown ale. I definitely... Well, smell brown ale. What does that mean? Malty, roasty, coffee, Malty. chocolate? <laughs> Malty but then roasty on the back side of the taste. You know, I think brown, I think more of a traditional style, more of a, maybe an English style beer, you yeah. know, something you'd have in a a pub or uh, in olden times, the uh, they break open the cask and you'd sit around and have a pint and throw your country over or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm getting... Um, very smooth. Very, it is very smooth for a, for a brown. Definitely, I guess malty more than anything in the flavor, but it's not like very overpowering maltiness. Mm. It's just kind of subtle. I appreciate it for sure. Yeah. What do you think on the flavor? I mean, it's good. Smooth. I mean, I wouldn't go out and buy any just to drink. Ouch. Day, but, huh? <laughs> Ouch. No, no, no. It's, it, it's not a a knock on any of the any of the beer. It's just it's not my just brown ale's not your forte. Not my forte, and it's just one of those things that you know. I love IPAs. I love stouts. I'm not a huge sour guy. Wayne likes his certain beers. You like your certain beers. Yeah. The world still goes around. Yeah. That's true. Brown ale, I wouldn't necessarily grab off the shelf either. Well, in all honesty, brown ales aren't my in my top three styles I'd pick. I, I would pick this over like a, a Goza or Sour, which, <laughs> you know, yeah. you would probably tend to lead with that. And I know, Chase, I've been teasing I mean, not Chase, uh, Stephen would go for your, your IPAs and Stouts. Well, you know, th this, not my total, total favorite, but I'd favor this over a lot of different styles for sure. And that's what makes the world go around. Well, there you go. Well, as far as keeping the world go around, you can stay in touch with us. You can find the mayor, Stephen, himself on Instagram at Southern Bling Beer Reviews. You can find the Sage Wayne also on Instagram at Wayne's Beer Delivery and on YouTube by the same name. And you can find myself, your Shirley producer and humble correspondent, Chase, on TikTok and Instagram at Nutmeg2Palmetto. Keep it right here. We'll go downtown and uh, talk to Fire Forge. Go here. Keep it with us. The only joint my mama burned was on the rural route. She parked in old man Tater's woods so she wouldn't be found out. Turned off her dome light, snuck off by herself. Crashed down beneath that window, fired it up, and gave it hell. At that hangout my daddy used to hang around. We watched it all go up and smoke until it all came down. Just like that, the taps and stools and tables got turned to the only joint my mama ever burned. Oh, 
Get sassy and bluegrass. Come on. Welcome back. This today is Brian and Ken with Fireforge Brewery. Gentlemen, thank you for y'all's time. And tell us a little bit about yourselves before we get into the interview. Sure. Well, uh, well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, happy to be here. Um, you know, Fireforge opened in uh, the summer of 2018, so we've been here for about uh, three and a half years, a little over. Um, survived a pandemic, still brewing beer, and um, you know, uh, I'm one of the founders uh, with uh, with my wife Nicole. Uh, Ken has been with us since day one. Started with us part time, mm-hmm. and um, split time between uh, coffee roasting and brewing, and uh, decided to go full-time brewing so uh now he pretty much does all the work and i just sit back and write checks i don't even know what i do anymore i get to do the fun stuff yeah you do all the business yeah i know you start a brewery because you like to brew beer and then what do you not do is brew beer anymore so yeah but uh but no it's been going well so uh yeah we're we're really enjoying it and uh glad to be in in greenville it's a great beer great beer town so yeah it's continuing to grow too yeah yeah more and more people coming Mm -hmm. in so good that kind of leads into my question you know again thanks for having us here yeah. as you had said and as you know upstate south carolina area is just growing and growing it seems like there's just stuff popping up everywhere houses shopping centers things oh, like yeah. that which means that's also great for the craft beer scene here um so what brought you to downtown greenville and in particular this location a lot of luck i think um you know uh Kind of going back a little bit, my wife and I, Nicole, is my, our, my business partner. We moved to Greenville in 2009, and um, just and we started out home brewing. You know, I think we started home brewing in 2007, and um, just kind of started growing it from there. And then uh, decided sometime around the 2011-2012 range to um, see if we could take it pro. You know, see if we could actually start a brewery. And then um, at the time, I, I'm kind of giving you a roundabout answer, but at the time, this is pre-Stone Bill. So in South Carolina, we couldn't do a tap room and, and serve unlimited and still distribute at the same time. And so we decided to move to Florida uh, and we moved to Tampa. We were there for about three years, but decided that's not where we wanted to spend the rest of our lives. So we ended up moving back to Greenville in 2015. And then... Uh, from there, we just sort of started the location search. Um, we were not looking downtown. Uh, we didn't think we could afford it. Um, although now I'm still not sure we can afford it, but yeah, we're here um, and we're still kicking. So, uh, you know, we were looking at kind of the, some of the outlying areas, um, trying to stay close to the city center, but uh, it was kind of the right place at the right time. Um, we were working with a broker who got his oil changed here. This was used to be WN Watson Tire and Auto. They turns out they were looking to consolidate locations across uh, Academy on the other side of downtown, and we're going to move out around Thanksgiving in 2016. So, being the inquisitive real estate guy that he is, uh, John asked the general manager what if there you know were any plans after they moved out, and he's, she was like, "No, there's but we don't know what's going to happen." So, he put in a call to the landlord kind of connected us that way and and we started that conversation really before the space even hit the market so it was just uh it really was a right place at the right time the 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 landlord that we work with um you know with stone properties uh and um 
you know, they kind of have a, a vision for what they want this block to be and right. a brewery sort of a, an anchor for that. And it's taken a little longer for the whole thing to come to fruition. COVID had a lot to do with that, um, you know, as far as developing this entire space. But, you know, we've kind of been holding down the fort. And I think over the next year or so, you know, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff happening and a lot of new developments. Yeah, we were talking before we started the interview, and I, I actually one of my other questions, you kind of answered some mm. of it anyways, but I've got backups. Sure. But uh, <laughs> I told Jason, like, this has got to be a, a former garage. Yeah. Because yeah. just the garage doors, the base spaces, uh, where we're doing the recording, looks like they would have done, like, the alignments and mm-hmm. tires and things like that. The yeah. main bar area looks like for, like, heavy trucks and things yep. like that. Uh, that's... Yeah, that's. Yeah, if you look at the ceilings and the tap room too, you can actually see tire marks still up there on the ceilings and stuff. So it's pretty cool. It has that little nostalgia to it still. So it's also pretty funny. You said pre stone, you're looking pre stone law. You're looking Mm -hmm. to uh, do a brewery, and now you have your landlord is stone. Stones. There's a lot of uh, you got to overturn some stones. What is it? I don't know. Whatever the (laughs) the pun is. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have a follow-up. That's sure. Why. You mentioned your humble beginnings as a home brewer. Yeah. Are there any recipes from that time that are still on the menu, or any recipes that Ken's gone and uh, tweaked a bit to make itself a mainstay up on the board? Yeah. Um, trying to think of what we we change stuff out it, pretty yeah. frequently. Um, trying to think what like I noticed today John was asking me about somebody that works here we have a medal up on the wall from 2015 you oh, have the yeah. bordello that's the bordello there. yeah so uh, yeah bordello that's a chocolate cherry imperial stout with a little bit of cayenne pepper um, that was inspired by a chocolate bar that we had when we were living in Tampa there was like this gourmet chocolatier that was like two blocks from the office that I was working at and um it was like one of those, it was a dark chocolate bar with cherries and spicy cayenne pepper on it. And we thought this was delicious. So let's see if we can turn that into a beer. So we brewed it on our little five gallon or 10 gallon homebrew system and um, thought it turned out really well. So I entered it in a homebrew competition out in Colorado. It was like the, the pepper beer competition or something. And it actually won, um, you know, first place in the in the dark pepper beer category so and i finished second place overall okay uh, best of show I, i've never actually won best of show in anything so that's on my uh on my list of things to do hopefully at some point in my life but um but yeah so that's one that started out as a homebrew um the john hopcock which is our best-selling hazy ipa that was a collaboration i did with uh, another friend of mine from our old homebrew club right before we opened um, he has some connections up in the, the New England area, so he put in some calls and got some tips. And um, his name is Brooke Bristow. Uh, give him a shout out. And um, so we collaborated on that, and you know that started out on our homebrew system. Um, we've got a few. I know we're bringing back the Tampanian Devil, which is our oh. Belgian triple mm-hmm. with uh, with guava and star anise. That's uh, won a couple medals, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that one will be coming back in the spring. That started out as a homebrew when we were in Tampa. Um, so we've, we've got a few that have made their way in. But, you know, a lot of it, you know, when I was homebrewing, you know, I was maybe 50% successful, you know, as far as, you know, things turning out. And, 
you have some hits, you have some misses, and you know you just you don't serve the misses. You just uh, you just serve the hits. So uh, so that's kind of how we how I kind of came up. And I know Ken got started as uh, did some home brewing before starting yeah. here as well. Very simple, yeah. And it's like a little known fact too. Most of our uh, pilot batches we have pretty much a homebrew all-in-one system that we use back there. And so we'll just experiment on that, and if it turns out really well, we'll kind of convert those to bigger batches. So it's just always kind of experimenting with stuff. To I'd yeah. like to see that before we leave, if we can, because I'm yeah, a home sure. brewer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One step, that'd be nice. Oh, well, yeah, we've got one. Uh, we So we have one on right now that we did. This was a Ken creation mm-hmm. we did for the Super Bowl, the uh, the concussion protocol. You oh, want yeah. to talk about that one? Yeah, so it's um, just a wheat beer. Uh, with Wheaties and just an ass load of lactose in there, just to make it like cereal. Um, I think it, I think it kind of hey, tastes like cereal. Yeah, not up my alley. It I does. A, a coconut cream ale. Yeah. And fresh coconut and fruity pebbles. Yeah. And called oh, it yeah. tropical bedrock. All right. There you yeah. go. And it was so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So if we're doing something really far out, we lit our. I mean, like Ken said, our our pilot system is literally a five gallon yeah. homebrew system. We don't have room back there for a you know, one or two barrel system in addition to what we're doing. So a lot of times if we're going really far out, we will brew basically a homebrew batch of it. Just make sure the flavors work yeah. and then we'll scale it up to the big system. Mm-hmm. We've had a few that, uh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super fun. <laughs> I get a little impatient sometimes if I come up with something oh, yeah. new, like a uh, funny story about the irrational confidence, which is our red IPA that we have on right now. Um, my wife and I, took a road trip out west and uh, we had a really awesome red IPA out there it was like called Big Sticky I can't remember the brewery off the top of my head but it's out in Idaho and I'm like I really want to do something like this when we get back and so we uh, we come back and I come up with this recipe for a big old school red IPA super malty super hoppy 100 IBUs like something you would drink you'd have drank like six years ago that something to upset me no one makes it anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Woodland Empire. Oh yeah, there we yeah, go. Woodland Empire. Yep, that's right. It, yep. was, it was really good. And um, so, you know, I came up with the recipe for it, and you know, Ken's asking me, "Well, should we just do a tiny batch?" And I'm like, "Yeah, nah. I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. We're just going to brew it on the big system." So I do the 200 whatever gallon recipe and brew it. About three days into fermentation, I'm, I'm tasting this thing, and I'm like, "Man, this is." way too bitter there is not enough malt there's not enough sweetness you know this is this is not good and so we gave it a few more days to finish out a couple weeks it was pretty terrible yeah so uh (laughs) it was not balanced at all it was like just Mm -hmm. like suck your face off hoppy bitter terribleness so uh so we let that one go yeah, and uh, we dumped Three it. Porn. We dumped it. Yeah, gallons and, down the uh, and so we wow. retooled the recipe, brewed it again, and this time it actually I think it turned out really well. Mm. But we named that irrational confidence because because uh, yeah. apparently I have irrational confidence. I think I know what I'm doing, but not always. So uh, most so it seems of the time it works. Yeah, most of the time. Sometimes you miss. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, you're talking it's about not serving the misses. That's a whole lot of miss to not <laughs> It's kind of painful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're, that's kind of how we roll. It's like, you know, if, it, if we don't feel like it's good or there's anything wrong with it, then, you know, we're not going to serve it. So it's our reputation on the line. So we got to make sure that the beers are good. 
Or at least we think they're good. Yeah. Not everyone might agree, but. Yeah, we have to like them. Okay. We at least have to like them, yeah. I got to drink it. So. Like them okay. Yeah. <laughs> like them okay. So, Wayne likes to talk about the history of the building. I like to talk about the history of your name and your imagery. Sure. You have a hop in the shape of a tiny, tiny flame. The verbal imagery of fire, of course, is one of passion or even aggression. Yes. We like to talk to our guests about how they came up with their names and logo designs. What was your thought process into creating the brand of Fire yeah, so I mean, it's kind of a, a roundabout story, but you actually hit on some of it. That that fire imagery does relate to the passion that we have for the craft, and you know, our um, kind of our, our motto or our, our kind of our tagline that if you come to the tap room, you can see it on the back of our coasters is to create with passion and serve with enthusiasm. And so that that fire is the sort of that passion aspect of what it is that we do. We're very passionate about whatever it is that we're creating. Whether it's the beer, the food, the atmosphere, the environment, the music that we're playing, um, you know, if we're not really fired up about it, all puns intended, then uh, you know, then why bother doing it? So you know, that's that aspect of it. The forge is you know kind of symbolic of the handcrafted nature of what it is that we're creating, and so you know, I don't think a lot of people realize that even on a commercial scale, how much manual effort is involved in making beer um, we don't just push a button and suddenly beer comes out the other side there's a lot of sweat sometimes blood occasionally tears when we dump a 230 gallon batch down the drain um, but it is a very manual process and so um, you know and, and we're in an unair conditioned warehouse so you know in the middle of the summer it gets hot and you're scooping steaming grains out of the mash tun you know it's it's very manual um, you know, so we felt like that imagery kind of fit what it is that we were trying to create. Um, there is also just the very practical side of it where we could trademark Fireforge. We went through probably 25 different name concepts before we found one that we could actually trademark. And uh, I always joke that if Fireforge wasn't going to work, the next item, the next name on the list was Sandrowski Brewing Company. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, we were, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, maybe if we were like back up where I'm originally from Cleveland, if we were back up in Ohio, maybe Sandrowski could work. Down in the south, yeah. people wouldn't know how to pronounce it, so, uh, you know. Chances are that's probably trademark, too. It, it, it's very likely. It's, uh, it's so hard to find names uh, between the thousands of breweries and the tens of thousands of beer names and, and everything. It's, it's challenging. You know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears sounds like a good name for a, a beer, so... <laughs> That, that could be our homebrew that y'all want me to brew. <laughs> there you go. We'll talk later about that. And that would have been my follow-up. How many, how many Google hits it took before you found one that wasn't taken? Oh, man, it was... I can't even tell you. I mean, we actually ended up hiring a, a law firm out of Orlando that specializes in trademark, the trademark process to help us with it, to do all the research. And I learned a lot about trademarking. You, you learn a lot about a, a lot of things that you never thought you'd have to learn throughout this process and uh, trademark law is one of them so not that I'm an expert but you learn a little bit about everything so my follow-up and I didn't even have a follow-up question he opened up <laughs> that's was, the whole point of follow-ups my friend yeah but <laughs> go ahead oh go ahead if our 
listeners could see. Anyway, I had a question, but I'm going to skip over this one and push it down. Follow up to his trademarks and talking about the logo. Yeah. So why the keep back 200 feet and oh. why the – so Maltese Cross is everywhere, mm-hmm. tons of shirts, yeah. you have a shield – Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier that I'm a full-time fireman. Yeah. So the shield that you have on your your hat is what mm-hmm. we wear on our helmet. Yeah. To signify what rank we are, mm-hmm. and so on. So. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, um, so the firefighters and you know first responders have a, a special place in our family's heart. Um, Nicole's grandfather was a firefighter up in Milwaukee, and he was actually. Um, injured it wasn't critically but uh, in a warehouse fire probably it was after she was born so it was probably about 35 years ago and so he was basically paralyzed from that injury and he ended up living another I want to say maybe 10 years after that but you know he was in a wheelchair and you know and Nicole's grandmother you know was around the clock care um, to, to care for him. And so, you know, that, that aspect of, of public service and first responders has always held a special place in her heart and thus mine. And so, you know, when we created Fireforge, you know, even though we we're not literally like, you know, a fire station or a firehouse or anything like that, um, she wanted to kind of incorporate some of that imagery into some of our merchandise and, you know, our hats and, and shirts and stuff like that, just as sort of a, you know, to sort of honor that part of her heritage, but also those in the community that are, that are doing such good work for us. That's awesome. I've, I've always wondered about that because I had originally, when y'all opened, I reached mm-hmm. out to someone on Instagram oh, yeah. and asked about the shirts. And I was like, do you know what that is? And the person said, no. And I was oh. like, okay. So, yeah, I wonder, who, uh, I wonder <laughs> who might have answered that question. Maybe we'll have to go That's back okay. and look at our processes. <laughs> so we were kind of laughing about that, but now that was a, a good while back. So hmm. that that opened me up for a good question that yeah. follow up with Chase. So. So was that your question, or was it a follow-up? Follow-up? No, that's that's. I'll keep that as my question. Okay. <laughs> I was just giving you a hard time Chase, because you may ask a question, but not a follow-up. All right, follow-up. This is, this is the no, most formal process. This is great. Look, we if this becomes to the a job, <laughs> too much of a job, we can't cut up and pick on each other. Oh yeah. Um, you saw the gestures a minute ago. <laughs> then what are we doing? You know? Oh, exactly. That's it's beer. Hey, okay, you gotta have fun. Um. So my next question, I look the first, you know, first time I've been here and time since, I always walk up to the outdoor area, and it remind, and I'm originally from up north. I'm from Connecticut, hmm. and I, it reminds me of this big open beer garden that there are a ton of them up there, up in the northeast, and I haven't found too many examples of similarities down here. Um, and in addition, you don't find too many outdoor areas in general in more urban downtown settings overall. Mm-hmm. So what does this outdoor kind of mini beer garden area offer your clientele that maybe gives you an edge over your competition? Sure. 
Um, well, you know, and actually, I kind of share your sentiments on that. Um, it kind of baffles me why there aren't more outdoor spaces in this area. Uh, when Nicole and I moved to Tampa, that's all you have down there is outdoor because you're in Florida. It's like, you know, <laughs> the whole point of living in Florida is you can be outside except for like the summer when it's just completely abysmal. But like the other nine months of the year are great. So everywhere you go, you can either lift up garage doors or they've got an outdoor patio or something like that. So when we ended up moving back to Greenville, that was one of the things we were really looking for in a space. And another reason why we didn't really want to, we didn't feel like we could get anywhere downtown because there weren't many of these type of properties available. Um, and so when, again, when it, this came of, available to us, you know, that was a, a huge component of why we wanted to take it was that, you know, it, it does offer a ton of space outside and, um, you know, because the weather in the Carolinas is great most of the year. And, uh, you know, you get a couple months when it's super, super hot and a couple months when it's a little chilly, but, you know, we get some heaters out there. And, you know, it, it really saved us during COVID in particular. Um, when we were able to reopen, you know, we had one of the largest outdoor spaces around. So people felt comfortable coming out, you know, and so it was, it really saved us during that time. But even then, now it's, when the weather's nice, we, we fill this place up. On the flip side of that, when the weather's not good, you know, it's a little slow. So, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, it, we kind of have become known because of our outdoor space and people just really enjoy being outside and drinking beer. And, you know, it's my favorite thing to do is to sit out on a picnic table and have a beer and have a good time with friends. Absolutely. So, yeah, like if you come here on a Saturday and it's nice out, there it's just a contagious atmosphere. Like Be careful with that word. Oh, no, is it too soon? <laughs> too soon. Oh, too, too soon. soon. I, th I thought we beat it already. <laughs> We're uh, outside. You're outside. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, it's just it's so nice well, to have just a ton of people out there and just like everybody's gathered at their little tables and having fun and it's just it's just exciting to be here with that. You don't get it if if you're somewhere that doesn't have that, you don't necessarily get that. Yeah, it's good energy. Um, yeah, and it's just, you know, there's nothing better than when the sun's out, you know, everyone's just drinking some beer and you're here with friends. And, you know, if you want, if you got a family, you can bring your kids and they can run around a little bit. Hopefully not too much. Mm -hmm. Don't climb on the rocks, please. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's, um, but yeah, no, it's just a, it's a, it's a, just a, we just try to create a fun, relaxed atmosphere. And I think that, when you're outside, you just you just feel more relaxed. I mean, I love being outside whenever I can. So to us, it was an important part of of our location, you know. And even even inside the tap room, you kind of alluded to it, Wayne. The the giant garage doors. You know, we've got these big ass twelve foot garage doors. So when when it's nice out, those things are wide open. So even if you're inside the tap room, it's still you have that almost a feel like you're on the back porch or something, you know, or a front porch or whatever where, you know, you're just sitting there and you're just enjoying the breeze and having a beer. Yeah, growing up in South Florida, I can tell you about how <laughs> warm it is down there. And I yeah. was further south than Tampa. I was in West Palm Beach. So oh, it's yeah. just uh, 50 weeks of uh, summer and two weeks of semi-cool weather. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's not, even, uh, not even autumn, just semi-cool weather. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody explained it to me. There are two seasons in Florida. You have hot and dry and hot and wet 
So mm-hmm. um, they would be correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So it looks like when you come here, you've got a little bit of everything on the menu, but beer is the main focus. So, what is your favorite beer to brew versus what's the most popular as far as what your customers ask? So. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to kind of turn a little bit. So, um, right, so 60 minutes questions going on. So, our <laughs> most, most popular beer is John Hopcott, which is our New England IPA. And just IPAs in general are super popular, but they are the absolute worst to brew. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just, there's so much more involved with them. Uh, hops are just, there's so many hops going in there, so much more cleanup, so much more time involved. Because um, we use a lot of Whirlpool hops. Um, so we'll cool the work down to about like 170, which takes some time to do. Then we'll let that steep for an extra 30 minutes or so. So that adds a ton of time too. Um, so just the whole process is a lot more intense as compared to say like a Pilsner or something like that or something simple. Or the 80 sacks, which 80 is like sacks. the simplest beer. Yeah, that which is like uh, mm-hmm. one malt, one hop, just throwing it in there, letting it boil for 60 minutes and that's it. So um, those are, I guess, those are the funnest to brew because they're, they're more <laughs> relaxed, but the IPAs are the most popular and they're kind of the most intense for yes. me at least. And the most expensive. <laughs> Yeah. If all we could make was 80 sacks, then, uh, I don't know, maybe we'd be more... Pretty good margins. More profitable, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, but yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you know, that I'm, I'm in the same boat. The IPAs are much more labor-intensive, much more ingredient-intensive. But that's what people want, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I like to drink. I'm, I'm drinking our brand-new Casual Peyote. Give it a plug. Uh, yeah. uh, Casual Peyote Shout IPA. And, um, you know, so when we put out an IPA that I think is super good. I mean, it's, they're still my go-to. Um, although if it's before five o'clock, I usually stick to the light loggers. So, uh, <laughs> you know, still got to keep it, keep it coherent. Yeah. Semi-professional, but you know, when, when you're around beer as a, as my friend Bobby, who uh, owns Kite Hill out in Clemson once said, he said, it's uh, it's the most expensive free beer you can drink. So, uh, so that's why, that's why I got into it. And to the listeners, they're set up as a future guest on our show. There we go. Got to Kite Hill. Nice. Clemson. Right, Good stuff. So, uh, I'll pull a chase here and ask a follow-up question. <laughs> sure, but don't steal my follow-up question. Not a three. <laughs> I'm going to steal it if, I, if it's what I think it is. Not a three. You had mentioned Whirlpool mm-hmm. beers. Uh, can you expand upon that a little bit? Because I am not your regular okay. IPA guy. So. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so during the process of the boil uh, is mainly where you add hops. Um, you can obviously do a dry hopping during fermentation or after fermentation. But for us, we like to load up in Whirlpool. And what we consider that is after the boil, um, we cool the work down. And then we get, I mean, it's literally like a Whirlpool motion. We have an arm that hooks up about the middle of the tank and kind of does like a spin, like you think like a Whirlpool. And it kind of just gets everything going. So we add the hops then. And at that point, it's kind of like the perfect balance where you're getting all the flavor without the bitterness. Um, so most of our, a lot of our IPAs use that, and we don't even dry hop them. So, so it's like just, it's, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. steeping at a temperature that is not um, isomerizing the hops, so you're not getting super bitterness out of it. You're just getting all that flavor and niceness. Did I steal your follow-up? You did not. 
right. You spoke on the uh, overall difficult process of brewing an IPA. Where's the percentage of the difficulty brewing an IPA with the overall process that you spoke on versus IPA being a popular style and any old Joe and Joe or Jill coming through the front door asking for an IPA and wanting to make sure like, okay, this is what the majority of the casual beer fans going to want. We need to make sure it's top tier. Yeah. Well, I, you know, for us, and it might vary from brewery to brewery, but basically one out of every three beers that we sell is an IPA. And so, you know, we, we try to have a pretty wide variety of IPAs, even within the IPA. It's not like we've got one IPA and that's all you get. Um, we have, what do we have, like six on, seven least, on right now? Yeah. Um, so we, we try to even do a variety within that. So we've got one, we'll always have one or two hazies on. We'll have one or two kind of clear old school, like West Coast style IPAs. We Right now we have a double IPA. We have a brute IPA. We have a black IPA. We have a red IPA. I see a trend here. So there's a lot of IPAs. But we have a ton of other stuff too. We have a lot of other stuff. We try to, you know, we do try to, you know, go across the whole spectrum of beer. So we'll have some Belgian stuff. We have lighter stuff. We have fruity stuff. We have a couple of sours. You know, it's wheat beers, you know, all the stuff that people want. Um, I guess our overall philosophy is to, we kind of see ourselves like a beer bar, except we make all the beer. So, you know, we want to have almost every, at least general style of beer represented. And so, you know, that's kind of our goal, but also recognize that, hey, you know, sometimes you got to give people what they want. And so whatever we do, even the lighter stuff, you know, we always put our own spin on it and make it how we want. Like our 80s sacks that we kind of talked about earlier, which is like basically our, you know, our the answer to the question of what's your lightest beer is that one. But what I like about that one is that we use 100% regional malt. And so, you know, it, even within that, it's, it's all stuff that's grown in the Carolinas. And so that's our spin on and differentiator as to just, well, why is this different than your Coors Light or whatever? It's like, well, that's because this is made, not only is it made locally, but we use 100% local regional malt in that beer. So you're drinking, you're drinking the Southeast, you're drinking the Carolinas when you, when you have that beer, so... So I'm going to switch it up a little bit, like I always try to do when we're at a brewery. And I want to talk about the amazing food. All right. I don't even remember exactly what it was called. I just know it was <laughs> mac and cheese, and it was fully... The barbecue was the... It was the... Barbecue. Barbecue, yeah. It was... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, so, so where's the inspiration come from yeah, food, I guess, is sure. to start off with? Sure. Well, you know, kind of taking you back a little bit, too, in, in the time machine. When we first opened, we relied on food trucks. And we also, like in-house, the only thing we served was uh, toasted pretzels and pimento beer cheese. And we had a hummus basket. We were just reminiscing about the hummus basket. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Um, yeah, it's like that when Ken was actually working the bar, he could make a mean hummus basket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
and so uh, we would, but we would get the hummus from the Pita House, which is a place down on uh, okay, South Pleasantburg. So yeah, local place. Local. We got the, we got the hummus and the pita from the Pita House, and they're the best. Um, but then, as we kind of emerged from the pandemic, one of the things we wanted to do was sort of expand our own kitchen, and rely more on our own food rather than food trucks. And uh, and we were fortunate enough to uh, have. Uh, person her name is Kara she Kara Bookwalter walked in the door one day and was like hey I'd like to help out in your kitchen and we're like oh cool this is great so well uh, we you know Kara started with us about three years ago and really helped us get our food menu off the ground she helped us launch our sandwiches and you know put together our charcuterie boards and so we because Nicole and I don't really have a restaurant background we're you know I'm, I brew beer and you, drink you know, beer, I drink beer. I like food. I've got ideas about food, but I have no idea how to run a commercial kitchen. And so Kara really helped us kind of go to that next level and at least you know, help us establish our own kitchen program. And then about probably about five or six months ago, Kara decided that she wanted to move back to Florida to be closer to family. And so we began the search for a new chef to kind of take over and, and help us even maybe go to the next level. And so we actually had um, a new chef start with us about a month ago. Um, and he's from Colorado, and he is really, he's just kind of getting into the work. So uh, the uh, Cuban sandwich that you just had. That was, that was a, delicious. Uh, that uh, one of my favorite sandwiches. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, but uh, that was a uh, Chef Ben creation. So uh, Ben has come on and um, is really helping us to even, like, with his experience now, even take it beyond what we were doing. Specifically with the barbecue, give a shout out to John Odom, our yeah. pit master. Um, John started out as just a passionate smoker of meats and we did some little pop-up uh, events like on once a month we would do a barbecue pop-up so John would smoke some meat some some pork butts and we'd put together a little like barbecue plate with a couple sides and we, we did that and the reception was really good and so I made John an offer he couldn't refuse and so uh he decided to then make, help us make the barbecue a full-time uh, part of the menu. And so, you know, so we kind of, we've, I mean, we're not really going to become a barbecue place. You know, we're not going to. Tell him that. Well, <laughs> you know, hey, I throw, the, I throw down the gauntlet. I say, if John wants to get us there, then he's going to have to do a lot of smoking. Okay, John. Yeah. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, but it has become, you know, it's become a very integral part of our menu. And so we, you know, we have a barbecue plate with a couple sides. Um, we've got the barbecue mac and cheese bowl. We do an awesome barbecue slider with this, like, pineapple slaw. And it's phenomenal. I might have to order um, something else, Dave. Yeah. That wasn't enough to fill me up. <laughs> That's just an appetizer. Yeah. That's right. Um, you know, so I think, you know, we're... The barbecue is definitely going to be a component of what we're doing. And then Ben's also got some awesome ideas on some new sandwiches and entrees. And we're going to start doing, like, beer dinners and, you know, for example, like, yeah, like beer pairing and, and you know, with different 
dishes and for our uh, we're gonna do a Mardi Gras themed weekend coming up um, February 25th 26th and 27th so we've got a whole like Mardi Gras inspired like Fat Tuesday type menu for that weekend so you know so we've got some really cool stuff uh, <laughs> we've got some really cool ideas that we're gonna be rolling out you know so that not only again it kind of goes back to that passion about what we do I mean in my opinion beer is meant to be drank if that's the right tense of the verb with food you know it's like they just go together really well and so you know we want our food to be as good as our beer and we want the two to just complement each other you know in every way and so you know that's our ultimate goal and that's kind of what we're working towards and you know we always know that you know we've still got work to do not our beer is not perfect but you know we want we're always looking to improve it and uh you know same with our food you know we're always looking how can we elevate our food menu and so it's uh it's just a constant constant evolution well, real quick the 26th we're at a chili cook-off oh, oh shoot why did it have to overlap like that Jeez. well but we, you know timing <laughs> But even uh, day, right? come out on uh, come out on Mardi Gras. It's a uh, Tuesday. I think it's uh, March first is the um, actual Mardi Gras okay. day. It's a Tuesday. I get off that morning. There you go. <laughs> so uh, come out. We'll have we'll still have all the we'll still have the full menu on that Tuesday. Yeah, we're going to Thomas Creek on the twenty sixth. Mm. It's oh, yeah. Stephen getting fat for the. That's fat, right. Fat I, I'm trying to lose weight. All right. So. We've talked about the beer, and now we've talked about the food, and you guys have got a lot to offer. I mean, you even got more stuff than that. Um, what type of, a, you talked about your Mardi Gras mm -hmm. and things like that. What other type of events do you have to, um, that you have here, and how do you choose what event style works best with the overall theme and the brand that you have here? Sure. Um, well, we started out with... Uh, you know, our basics are our anniversary party, which is usually the, well, it's always the third weekend in June. And so we throw a big weekend party for that. Uh, we'll have music all weekend. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll really do it up there. That's one of our biggest weekends of the year. We do an Oktoberfest weekend, which is the last weekend in September. Um, so we've done those right from the beginning, you know, from very first year. Um, but it's kind of grown. We did a Gasparilla weekend, which is basically a pirate party. And so, um, you know, that's at the, we brought that again from Tampa. We learned a lot of things in Tampa. They love pirates there. I know pirates, nobody knows anything about pirates in Greenville, but we don't care. It's a good excuse to bring some, drink some beer. Yeah. And so the last weekend of January, we did a big pirate party. And uh, that was a huge hit this week, uh, this past you know, two, two, three weeks ago. Um, but then also, you know, really it's, it's just, you know, what are the beer drinking holidays? You know, you've got Mardi Gras, you've got St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, 4th of July. Um, so we're looking, you know, over the course of this year to use our kitchen to also, and our live music as well. So, for uh, that, the Friday before Mardi Gras, that February 25th, I think is the date, we've got Tuba Gin playing. They're a New Orleans-style brass band. So that's going to be kind of like our big Mardi Gras party. Um, 
so we're really trying to to create more of these like festive weekends you know where we have some special uh, special food menu maybe we'll have a special beer release like you know for Cinco de Mayo we've we'll release our Mexican lager you know so it's kind of you know we're trying to use all the different aspects of the of the operation to really create these like festive party like occasions where people can come out and uh, if anybody has any other ideas about uh, some beer drinking occasions we can create or find from other uh, cultures or anything any beer drinking occasion we are open to it and uh, and we'll make it happen yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Can make it happen. Yeah. yeah. People are always looking for an excuse to drink, and it's fun to make beers for it. Yeah. 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 So um, you know, I, I want to go into your community ties a little bit more, but before I do that, um, you've spoken a lot about your roots in Florida and Tampa, mm -hmm. the time you spent down there. Um, Florida, of course, is has grown to be very much a titan of craft beer. Yeah. How do you compare the craft beer scene in Tampa and Florida as a whole to what has been growing in Greenville and oh. South Carolina? Yeah, well, it's really interesting, too. I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, when we first moved down there, which I think was mid-2012, um, we really didn't know much about the craft beer scene down there. I knew about Cigar City there were a couple other breweries I'd heard of, but that was about it. And even when we got there, there were a few other small breweries that were in operation. There was um, like Dunedin Brewing. Um, I want to say there's like Cycle Brewing, I think, in uh, St. Petersburg or near St. Petersburg, but there weren't a lot. And um, what was fascinating to see over even the, the three years that we were there were the number of small breweries that were popping up even in that time and uh and so but but it wasn't anything like the explosion that we've seen since and what's interesting is and so we moved away in 2015 and then just kind of following from afar you know it is it has exploded you know i mean i i I haven't even heard of most of the breweries that have opened up since then. Um, but, you know, I think on a, on a similar scale, Greenville is kind of similar in, in a way, but just on, a, I should say on, on a smaller scale, Greenville is similar. Um, you know, there's over a million people, you know, in Tampa. I mean, it's a, it's a huge area, especially when you consider St. Petersburg. So, you know, on a per capita basis, I think Greenville has grown in the same way. When we moved back here in 2015, it was like, it was Thomas Creek, Brew 85, Quest. I think uh, 8th State was here, but they were called Upstate Craft Beer at the time. And I think Birds Fly South opened a couple months before we did. And, you know, Liability and Yeehaw opened around the same time we did. And that was really about it. And then, you know, even in just the three years we've been open, I think the number of breweries in the Upstate has tripled. Um, you know, so it's, you know, I think in these areas that, Unlike in Colorado, where that, or California, or Michigan, and, and those type of areas, where that explosion happened five, six, ten years ago, we're a little bit behind the curve, but we're now starting to see that same type of explosion. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna jump in here for a second. I can tell you, I moved here in 2005 mm. from South Florida, oh, yeah. and I can tell you, in the last 
probably six-ish years, the population here has just jumped. Oh, yeah. And as we mentioned before, the stone law, stone brewing law, changed, and that changed the game up here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a craft beer explosion, and we love every second. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's great for everybody, too, because not only... Um, all the breweries is good for the people, but it's also good for the beer itself. Like the more and more breweries there are, the the more and more people want to make better beer. So it's mm-hmm. just everybody gets the benefit, and it's just nice to see it kind of happening in front of our eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody has a good experience at one brewery, they're much more likely to come visit us. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think we can all work together to create an awesome beer culture. In, in Greenville and in the upstate in South Carolina and, you know, make this a destination, a, like a beer destination like you have in Asheville or yeah. down in Florida or any of those places. I think we can we can definitely hold our own. And that is a perfect segue because here on the Upstate Beer Boys podcast, our main focus is to support local and, of course, drink local. And I'm going to tie in a lot of those name drops you just, you just said. Um, I want to know what your ties to the greater community are. That could be in the form of collabs with other breweries or even local businesses. That could be in the form of charities, fundraisers, donation causes that are close to you. Or as we've talked before about your past size of food trucks, local musicians, local artists, whatever the case may be, what is yeah. Fireforge's contribution to the community at large? Sure. Um, we've tried to give back in different ways over the years. Um, we've done, in the past, we would do what we call our cask of kindness, which we're going to try to revive here again now that we've kind of recovered from the shutdown and getting back into the swing of things. So what that would entail is we would take a, you know, a batch of beer that we had just brewed. We would s- siphon a little bit of it off into a, like a, a five or a 10-gallon firkin a cask, and then we might do some flavorings, or we might not, but then we would, you know, condition that in the cask, and then we would serve that on, like, a, a Friday night. We would, you know, crack it open, and then any proceeds from that beer sales for the day would go to a certain cause. Um, we did, for two years, we participated in the Black is Beautiful project, and that was, uh, you know, brewing a beer that then all of the proceeds, like all of all of the revenue from that batch of beer were donated to causes that were either to help with, um, you know, uh, equality and, and reform within either the, you know, the law enforcement. Uh, we donated this past year, we donated $5,500 to St. Anthony of Padua Catholic School. They are uh, an elementary school in the west end of Greenville that primarily serves, you know, under or, or, or underprivileged. underprivileged children. Um, they have about 120 students, and it's all, you know, it's all, um, most of the students there are on scholarship. And so any, you know, we, we donated to that as well. Um, but also, you know, we've done fundraising events for, I think we've done something for Upstate Forever, for the Judy Valentine uh, Foundation. Um, so we've done several different things, you know, over the years, um, but also uh, coming up here shortly, our, our point of sale system arrived, has, uh, give them a shout out. Um, they've introduced a new feature that will allow people to round up on their tab. So let's say your tab is like seventeen seventeen, you could round up to $18 and donate the, 
I can't do the math at the moment, whatever that would be, uh, you know, that would go to a, a certain cause. And so um, we're, we're working on figuring out what cause that's going to be that we're going to donate for 2022. But um, so we're, we're, we're trying to be as conscious as we can to, to give back and, and really help out, you know, in, in any small way that we can by uh, slinging beer. Real quick, talking about charity, have you ever thought about doing a uh, pay it forward to a first responder? <clears throat> and what I'm alluding to is there's a couple breweries that, um, you know, veteran-owned mm -hmm. around the upstate. Um, there's one in Savannah. And what they do is you can actually come in and say, I'm going to buy me a beer, but put two beers on the tap yeah. or on my tab. Mm -hmm. And then when a military, even teacher, first responder yeah. uh, comes in, then they can mark it off right. and say, okay, here's yeah. your beer on an anonymous person. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, it's not my idea. So yeah. <laughs> First place I saw it down here was at the paint station. Yep. Mm. They, oh, yeah. There's a, a lot of local places that do it just for first responders. And some places, like mm. I said, they even do it for teachers. Oh, yeah. Mm. And, right. and nurses. Sure. So. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, um, I like that. Thank you. The uh, we're, this is, You are our 12th guest on this adventure. All right. Of a beer podcast we started. Woohoo! A dozen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And Ken and I were speaking offline before we started, and uh, there was you were mentioning a little bit of a past venture of yours. So, oh yeah, what uh, yeah. what advice do you have to us as we're yeah into this journey i don't know if i can speak on all that but this this isn't my first rodeo i've had <laughs> maybe roughly 140 podcasts under my belt at this wow. point uh me and my friend actually the guy that smote the meat i uh, had a podcast for about two and a half years just on all things ridiculous and the best advice that i can give you is just have fun yeah just like don't don't plan out so like i know you guys it's good to have questions and stuff yeah. but we so the first thing we would do, like in the beginning, was we would write out questions, like have every like a script ready to go. But by like halfway through, we're like, oh, we just need shoot to talk. Yeah, just, just shoot the shit. Just talk about whatever. Just like say what's on your mind. Talk about it. The flow becomes so much better. It's just, um, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Just have fun. Be free. Be loose. Um, I mean, it's just fun to do. You know. Beer, why, helps. Why, yeah, beer why, helps with that. Yeah, why, why, why do it if um, it's not going to be fun? Well, like I was you know? saying earlier, you know, we're just three guys that love beer. We're not professionals. Mm -hmm. and, but when it becomes a job, you know, I don't want yeah. to. I've got two jobs. <laughs> yep, so. exactly. But we try to keep that in mind because, you know, I mean, it's just beer, you know, and we love making beer, and sometimes it feels like a job, and you try to do all you can to make it not seem so much like that. Yeah, so, people together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And it's a balance, too, even with brewing and stuff, because you get into it because it's fun, and you like doing it, and you want to be creative, and you don't want it to be monotonous. So over time, you just got to figure out ways like to just keep it fresh, keep it creative, keep it fun. Oh, yeah, and how do you keep it fun when you've brewed your 30th batch yeah, of that, John that's, the, that's the thing. That's where those tiny batches come into play, <laughs> those little uh, test batches. Yeah. And, always, and that's another thing, too, just to touch on. Even though we're brewing... Uh, Hopcock tomorrow for the what thirty twenty twenty 20 batch twenty nine. We're still tweaking it a little bit, mm -hmm. and it's nice. We rarely brew the same batch the same way twice. Like there might be even just the slightest little tinker in it, which is so nice to do because you can see the result and we can compare the batches at the end, and it can be 
a vast difference, even making just a little tweak in it. So it's always just keeping it fun that way, too. Yeah. You have that extrapolation effect to uh, tweak that maybe is an eighth more of a particular ingredient equals the equivalent of like a quarter more of a particular <coughs> flavor on the back end? Is yeah, it's all in our head at this point, I think, pretty much. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you, you feel like you're maybe 95% of the way there and it's like cooking really it's like well maybe you need a little more salt or a little more pepper or a little more oregano or something it's like you're not making wholesale changes on it but it's just more like is there something we can do without changing the total character of the beer that's gonna you know just give it just that little nudge maybe maybe it needs to be slightly more balanced or maybe you just want a little more juiciness or Maybe it needs a little more bitterness to balance out the sweetness, and you're just really trying to hone it in. So, but yeah, that's where we have fun, and that's why being a small batch brewery allows us the the freedom and the flexibility to do that. If we were brewing on a you know hundred barrel system that was going out into distribution to five different states, we probably wouldn't have that that luxury. So, that's why we have fun. And you know, if we were ever to expand and get bigger, I'm not sure I'd be the person to necessarily run that. You know, yeah, I think we'd either. have to get we'd have to get a real <laughs> professional in here to, to do all that stuff. So, well, you know, we may come in with like stripping questions and whatnot. But usually, about a third or half the way through, we've already stole our questions. <laughs> right. I'm bad about that. Yeah, yeah they just go. Party. Uh, I'm looking at Chase. I allegedly didn't want to <laughs> Mr. Follow-up here. Can't yeah. prove that. Um, you know, we, we usually by the back half of the interview we're on the fly, anyways. Yeah. But, oh yeah. But it, it's 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 all fun. It really is. Hey, she, our waitress, our, our bartender, whatever you want to call her, she just delivered another round for me of the mac and cheese. <laughs> and it's like, I can't even see the mac and cheese because it's covered in barbecue. <laughs> so I don't know if she told them in the back just to slather it in barbecue. But Load I'm not it up. Load it up. Before it was like I had a little bit of barbecue in there uh-huh. mixed with the mac and cheese. but oh. I think they reversed it. Sometimes the, the barbecue's on the bottom and then the mac is on the top. I think they gave you the reverse this time. It's like an upside-down pineapple cake. Yeah. Try some? Maybe, because I'm going to tee you up first. Before we, before we wrap, we always go around the table and uh, talk about what we had while we were sitting here talking to you. And um, maybe you got some insights or feedbacks or little stories about each beer. So, uh, Stephen, why don't you start off all right, so when I went up to the bar, like I try to at every brewery we go to, I want to try, like, your flagship beers, what what you like. So I always tell people, if we can get a flight, not all breweries do flights, I'm like, hey, I want a flight of IPAs and put it down. So you gave me the Alamo Casual Peyote. Peyote. The... Black Onyx IPA mm-hmm. and the Hopcock. Mm-hmm. So, out of all those, <laughs> I will say that the Hopcock, is how you say it? John Hopcock. John yes. Hopcock. That was my favorite, and as cool. you see, I got some more of that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well. So, out of those, <laughs> is there any one of those that are harder to brew? Than any of the other ones? Um, I, I would probably, I probably the, the black IPA, right? Black I mean, IPA. that's it's not it's a very. Simple IPAs aren't black. Yeah, right. exactly. And so how do you get the black color from 
Um, so it's from roasted malts, but you don't want that bitterness, right? Right. So it's the balance of giving it that sweetness, that complexity, without giving it that astringency and bitterness. And then also having the hot flavor come through at the same time and it not being too sweet or too bitter. So, like, that was one we did on the fly, too, which actually turned yeah. out really nice. Yeah, that one was another Out West inspiration. We had a really awesome black IPA from a brewery in, uh, oh, shoot, it was in Montana. Mm-hmm. Can't remember the name. It was uh, Uber Brewing. Uber? Yeah, Brewing? I think, yeah, you're right. Uber Brewing yeah. in uh in the city begins with a B, but it's not Bozeman. Billings. Billings, Montana. Thank you. Um, so, again, that was another idea we stole from our road trip out west. It's good to get out. You know, you yeah, get, apparently. You get that's the, all we're learning. I should get out more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we brought that back, and we just were like, man, let's brew a black IPA. Because you know what? No one brews black IPAs anymore. It was, like, fashionable, like, five years ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're a little behind the times. But... Um, you know, that, that Onyx is probably my favorite beer on the menu right now, um, partly because it's winter, and I just yeah. like drinking dark beers at this time of year, but the hoppiness, it comes through like this woodsy, resiny, um, you know, almost a little bit of like a cedar kind of flavor mm-hmm. on it um, from the Pacific Gem hops and uh, the blackberry, black currant. So it's got these like dark fruit flavors that we thought would really mesh well with those darker grains and so um so you know that one you know try to make sure we hit the balance on that was a little challenging but i think we did a great job with it um and then uh but you know the out on a limb doing a double ipa you know just trying to hit that balance of sweetness and abv and hoppiness and bitterness and all that kind of stuff ipas to me are really challenging because there's so many different variables involved and trying to hit that sweet spot to make it a balanced, drinkable beer where all the flavors are coming through. And and you want to drink more than, maybe more than one. You know, some IPAs can be so intense in flavor that you're like, you get halfway through it and you're like, that was delicious, but I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm ready for my Pilsner. Crunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, sounds, sounds delicious, though. Yeah. Well, I'm a little, you want one? I'll bring you yeah, one. Yeah, I'll try it. Well, I'm a little glad you're behind the times on that because I love black ideas and nobody does them. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's uh, I don't I don't know why. You know, but it's one of those things where even for us, I mean, it's not one of our best sellers. You know, I, I think it's one of the best beers we've made, but mm-hmm. you know, it's for whatever reason, it just doesn't resonate with people as much. So you're always trying to balance what's selling versus what we want to make. You know, sometimes we make one for us and we make one for them. One for us, ten for them. Ten for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad we spoke about that one because now I don't have to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the two I wanted to bring up from my flight were your ESB. Oh, yeah. Which I had, and first of all, these ESBs and scotch ales are something that I'm not particularly used to because... You can't, I don't know why, you can't find them up north. Mm-hmm. And I found several of them down here. Yeah. That people are trying out. And yours is very different from all the other ones. It's, mm. it, it's, it's the bitters there, it's noticeable, but it's not overpowering at all. It's still a very, very smooth multi beer. Cool. And then the other one I want to talk about is the Quaddish. Mm. Because, um, 
Belgian Duvel, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And that one, for being a Duvel, is super sneaky. Mm. It was a it had a very creamy taste and outfield to me. Yeah. So it just it, it didn't come off like this super heavy, hard-handed, boozy beer. Mm -hmm. So yeah. those are the two I well, thanks. Yeah, well, with the quaddish, yeah, I mean, it's, um, with that one, you know, we feel like the Belgian-style beers, they're meant to be consumed, I wouldn't say in mass, you know, yeah. but but they're supposed to be very drinkable. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. you will die. Even though the quaddish, this year's version of quaddish is only, what, like 6.5%? Something like that, So it's that, not yeah. super big, but, like, you know, in our opinion the best examples of the style have all of those flavors, mm -hmm. all that fruitiness, whether it's, you know, the, your dark fruit flavor, like your prunes and maybe, you know, dried cherries and that kind of stuff. But they're also, they finish pretty dry. And so they're very drinkable and they're not super sweet and they don't clog your palate. Mm -hmm. yep. So when they finish dry like that, you can enjoy a pint or two or maybe even three if you have some food and a responsible way to get home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and even the same uh, I was just going to say with the with the Tampanian Devil when that one comes back that's about a 9% triple but yeah. we kind of brew that the same way where it's like you know we use some Belgian candy sugar we ferment it reasonably cool uh, at about 66 degrees because we don't want the the yeast to get too crazy with all the phenols and esters and you know we still want it to be very uh, very drinkable and yet finish dry and and but still have all be very packed with flavor um yeah and that you, one's want, you want the yeast to shine in those and i yeah. think it comes through nice and it's yeah it's very drinkable and it's it's fun to balance the malt and the flavor with the actual esters of the yeast and kind of figure that whole thing out too yeah anything to add on the esb why it's why it tastes different than um yeah i mean that's just like an english style so we use um i guess we use a yeast that's not super estuary. Um, we have the British ale from uh, White Labs, um, and we ferment that at like 68 degrees, so you get a moderate amount of esters in that. But as far as the balance goes and stuff, I think that's just trying to figure out the malt and the hot, because you want, it's called a bitter, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not supposed to be super bitter. That's just kind of yeah. the style. Um, so it's just kind of figuring that whole thing out. And I think that's the first time, well, that's our second iteration of that one. Yeah, but we changed it up. Yeah, like after going like and yeah. kind of tweaking it a little bit, I think yeah. this one came out by far the best. Yeah, so that one is kind of like we were talking about with the, the double. You know, it's like you want to pack that full of these malt flavors and a little bit of that caramel sweetness, but you have to balance that with a good amount of hops. And I think a lot of times people get scared off yeah. when they think, when they have the perception that anything is bitter. And, but if it's done well, the bitterness is there to balance the sweetness. Otherwise, you might as well just drink a Pepsi. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, uh, you know, it's so it's, you, you have to have those hop flavors. And so, you know, and, and we just love the way that those interplay. And it's not as bitter as an IPA, but it's also not as malt, it's maltier than an IPA. So it's, it's like, you know, it's just. It's just our interpretation yeah. of the style, and I will admittedly say I've never been to England, so I'm just kind of guessing. I've had Fuller's ESB and a couple mm -hmm. other ones, and so, you know, this is our interpretation of the style, and, and you know, we hope that it's it's reasonably accurate, but it's it's kind of how we, we envision it being, in a sense. 
listened to this podcast for any length of time, I've got the reputation of being Mr. Non-IPA Guy, Mr. Pilsner. <laughs> and I ordered a flight, and surprise, surprise, not one Pilsner on here. Wow. What? Or longer. No. No. Um, got a lot. With the uh, blackberry wheat, which is fantastic. Mm. And then your stout, which I can't remember the name of. Just a stout. Just a stout. Well, yeah. 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 It's not just a stout, let me tell you. That's some good stuff. Well. And not one, but two, hold on, IPAs. Uh-oh. The uh, Onyx uh, Black IPA, which we've mm. already talked about, and then your newest drop today, the Casual Peyote yeah. West Coast IPA, mm. which is... Uh, blow my mind. Yeah, blew my mind that you actually got those beers. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Papa. <laughs> You're, you're growing up. <laughs> you're still here. I, I, I still like my casuals. My, my classical styles, you know. Um, what did you think of the casual peyote? I'll probably have another. All right, that's good to hear. Um, <laughs> the uh, West Coast style is something that's new, but uh, it's, um, what was the idea on that one? 70? 70, yeah. 70 or 75. Really? Yeah. It yeah. doesn't feel like well, again, you know, I keep harping on it. I'm sounding like a broken record, but to me, it all goes back to balance. Yeah. You know, if you've got malt to balance out that bitterness, you can you can have a 7,500 IBU beer. You know, IBU is just a number. Mm-hmm. Although I may go back for a pilsner. <laughs> yeah, we have one. Yeah, you should try those too. <laughs> try it. All right, so we talked about what we had. Let's talk about what you had. Um, yeah, so I had um, ESB. Um, oh, that's okay. yeah, it's one of my favorites right now. Um, and I had the Onyx, the Black IPA, which again is another one of my favorites. Not not our biggest sellers by any stretch, but <laughs> those are some we kind of made for us just because they're unique, complex, um, and just fun. Yeah. So you don't yeah. see them very often. So we like we also kind of feel like we're beer missionaries in a sense, where yeah. you know sometimes we like to brew styles that aren't as popular, just to hopefully in the course of conversation that our bar team can maybe steer somebody into something they might not think they're going to like. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so we have fun. So next time I come here, you're dressed in like white star shirts and say, can we talk to you about craft beer? We need the, uh, we like to dress we, up. somebody had the idea of doing like a beer concierge thing where it's like off to the side and we have somebody at like a little table mm-hmm. that's like, hey, would you like to talk to me and I can guide you through the beers. I think that could be fun. I voted Savior Hopsapol. Yeah, indeed. Hey, there's tons of people that come in and be like, I, I like Miller Light. What do you have? Give me your lightest <laughs> beer. That's our most common really question. Is. What's your lightest beer? Yeah. So. <laughs> we found that out when we went to 13 Stripes. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, all we have is craft beer. And they're like, well, if somebody comes in and says Miller Light, what do you give them? And he started just popping off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got some that are What's similar. What do you give them, then? Uh, we've got a few different light ones. We've got the 80 Sacks we've talked about. That's our simplest, cleanest beer, uh, modeled after like an old school Heineken style, like all malt. There's no adjuncts in it, uh, but it's super simple. We've got a Kolsch on that's nice and light, a little bit of fruitiness. Um, and then we do have a Pilsner as well. So the Pilsner's got a little bit more hoppiness to it, but again, you know, it's it's not IPA level hoppiness. It's, it's old school German level hoppiness, which is a little more restrained. So Pilsner was something extra. I have to get Chase online with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a brewery around the corner that's up that's going to be on our podcast pretty soon that they did one. Yeah, we're talking with Fireforge right now, though. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you can always plug, plug the future. Yeah, it's I mean, we gotta, yeah, we're, we're all give, friends. Give it's, the, it's good. Yeah, no, we're, we're we're good with everybody. Good with everybody out there. Who was yeah. your favorite to collab? I, I keep laughing because he says collab. That's, <laughs> hey, that's, we're gonna trademark that. Okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, we've we've done a few. Um, we did a really cool one with Birds Fly South. It was like a, a farmhouse style IPA uh, that turned out really well. We did a uh, an English mild with Carolina Barnhouse, and even though they're known for their uh, funky stuff, we were like, "Why don't we just do a mild?" Because we're brewers, and no one's gonna want to buy a mild, but yeah. we're just gonna do it anyway because it's an awesome beer, and uh, we should just do it. Um, so we did that one. Um, we did a a dark beer collaboration with uh, Lavender with the uh, with Don Richardson, formerly of Quest Brewing. Oh yes, mm-hmm. um, I've already reached out to him. If you're yeah. listening. I've reached out to you. Respond. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don's a great dude. Um, trying to think if Thomas Creek now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's landed at Thomas Creek. Um, it's been hard to coordinate. We're everyone's super busy, you know. So it's we haven't done as many collabs as I would have liked. Yeah. But uh, but we're actually getting one that um, a bunch of upstate breweries collaborated on uh, with Birds Fly South. They brewed it there. It's called. Um, uh, allies in ales oh. and we're going to it's a golden strong that um, we're going to be getting on tap here probably next week okay. and so it was brewed at birds fly south and then it's going to get distributed to i'm not sure how many breweries in the upstate but quite a few participated and then um, each brewery is kind of going back to your uh, charity uh, your your community question earlier then um, i'm not sure if we've picked our charity for that beer yet but then we will donate a portion of the proceeds from that beer to the charity that we decide in the next week or so. Um, so we'll have more information on that coming out on our socials uh, once we receive it. But that'll be, that'll be coming it. out. That's amazing and yeah. also amazing that it's a golden strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, again, I think it's one of those, we'll brew it for us and we hope other people yeah. like it too. Dude, so. Just right off the top of your head, do you know how many breweries are actually being involved other than like, were there other breweries that helped brew it, or was it just Birds Fly South? No, it was uh, it was a collaborative effort. I want to, I don't know off the top of my head. It was That's fine. close That's to a dozen, maybe, I want to say. All right, so chances are by the time you hear this episode, it'll probably be on tap here at Fireboard. Should be. Yeah, yeah. Shameless should plug. be. Yes. <laughs> Shameless plug. So before we wrap up, I just want to plug Russell at Westbrook Apparel. Because you were mentioning earlier, um, oh West Broad, record. West Broad, West Broad Apparel. Westbrook is the brewery in yeah, Charleston. Yeah, I know. West Broad. <laughs> Think about I know that because I know Russell very well, and That's I'm a cool. fireman. It came from the old fire station. Yeah. And so, uh, give him a shout out. He does all your hats mm-hmm. with the yeah. fire symbol. Yeah. Well, fellas, again, thank y'all for having us today. Thank you to John Sharkey with Upstate Beer Festival. Jeff Thompson with Upstate Realty Associates for all your real estate needs. Reach out to him. And we can't forget Denise and Chris Vandenberg for promotional graphics for giving us our beautiful sign. (laughs) Y'all stay with us as we take a break from all this craziness. We'll be back with Upstate Beer Boys. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, thank you. Don't bear to watch the granddaddy gave you on aces and some old river road. Always watch out for a redhead.
Welcome back to the Upstate Beer Boys Podcast. Special thanks to the guys here at Fireforge. Um, if you're in the downtown Greenville area and you haven't been here, we highly recommend you stop by. Tell them the Upstate Beer Boys sent you. Well, guys, you know, we had a plan for this segment and it totally got shot out of the water. So we're going to wing it. You wing know, it. We, you know. I would ask what time it is, but we all know what time it is. It's beer time. Yeah, so, <laughs> so anyways, um, we're here at Fireforge, which, Woo-hoo! you know, you got the, uh, hey, that's the siren they were talking about earlier. Um, we're here at the Fireforge, and, you know, fire is one of the four elements. So we're going to play our little word association game, and yeah. I'm going to ask you uh, of the four elements which we have Fire, water, earth, and wind. Or is it earth, wind, and fire? Earth, wind, and oh. fire. Oh! Ah! Did they... I see what you did there. Um, That's in the <laughs> Oh! We're going to start off with, uh, well, since we're here at Fire Forge, I'm going to ask you guys, what beer would you associate with fire? And just hit me with it. And I have no idea what to expect, so this should be fun. Something strong, something rough, and something powerful. I'm going to go with your Imperial Stouts and your Barley Wines. Okay? Okay? Yeah, I could see that, but no. I'm going with a dry hopped IPA that's got the burn down your throat at the backside. The, the burn that Wayne doesn't like. Yep, the bitterness. <laughs> For now. The burn. That's what I'm going with. What you got, Wayne? If I'm going for fire, I am actually going to go for a beer that is infused with any type of oh. pepper. Oh! Like your, uh, like your, your Westbrook uh, Mexican cake, uh, like the uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales Stout. I had it Cyclops that I didn't know had four different peppers in it. Um, if there's anything that screams fire, it's having pepper in your beer when you're not expecting it. All right, so we had fire. So let's go to, we'll go the opposite spectrum. We'll go to water. And I have a funny idea. I know what Chase is going to say. Something smooth. Something refreshing. I think Wayne might be right. I think I'm going to go with my my current favorite, the Berliner Vice. Nah, that's not what I was expecting. Hey, I still threw them off. I was gonna say any beer because all beer has to have good water. Well, actually, we all missed an opportunity here. We could have just said Coors Light. Yep. 
Well, that is water. Mountain water, spring water. A good beer always starts with H2O, good quality. Zero is your base. That's some fine quality H2O we got here. All right, water boy, Wayne. It's the devil. It's the devil, Bobby Boucher. Well, if I'm going to equate a beer style to water, I am going to go with my nickname, a pilsner. Mm, okay. Or Touché. a pilsner or maybe even a Kolsch. You know, something that's light, something that's refreshing. You know, and water is light and refreshing, but beer is better. That's where you and I are different, my friend, because... Kolsch is not refreshing to me. I like Kolsch's, but they are not refreshing to me. <laughs> well, I feel that way about Berliner Weisses, so... <laughs> I'm about to say, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> Alright, so we digged into fire, we digged into water. Hmm, this one should be interesting. <laughs> what beer style goes with wind? I'm going to say this by look on your face, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm puzzled. Chase? Well, you know, wind can be strong like a hurricane or a tornado, so maybe think along those aspects. That is wind. Well, then that would be more like a, a barrel-aged beer if it's strong. Look, I want to hear what Chase, because... Wind is also oxygen, the thing we all need to survive. And what's the beer we most drink? Most survive off of an IPA. Speak for yourself. <laughs> yep. Not all the way there. Well, if I'm going to say a beer that equates to wind, and I'm going to use the analogies I just came up with a hurricane and tornado, then I'm going to say something along the lines of. A Belgian quad, mm. oh. triple, something that is very smooth and deceptive and then knocks you on your ass when you're not expecting it. So, kind of <laughs> like a tornado. You never see them coming. So, <laughs> that's completely different reference on this, don't we? <laughs> that's what makes it fun. <laughs> I'm glad it's really unscripted, too. All right, so. I guess the last element is earth. Without earth, we have no water, we have no air, no fire, and no beer. Where are you going with this, Wayne? I have no idea, but hit me with your <laughs> so earth beer. I'll tell you mine. Do you mind, Chase? Of course. Porters. They're very earthy. A lot of them have like very earthy tones, earthy taste. You know, not all of them taste coffee, malty. Stuff. All right. Good call. Good earthy mm -hmm. beer. That's a good call. Mm -hmm. See, my earthy, hearty, really fulfilling beer like that. I'm gonna stay in the malty vein. Yeah. But I'm not, or the roasty vein rather. I'm not, but I'm not going border. I'm gonna go with an amber. An amber. Okay. Hmm. I can see that. Earthy amber. Hmm. I got Wayne to agree with me on a beer. Holy shit. Yep. Well, for your answer. <laughs> so let's see. An earthy beer. 
an earthy beer with Mr. Pilsner, Mr. Non-IPA guy. I'm going to hit you with a, uh, a very earthy beer to me. It would be like your, uh, your American Pales, like a Bell's Two-Hearted, or maybe a um, Pacific Northwest IPA, kind of like we had from Full Steam on a couple episodes ago. Or just any, like, piney, hop-forward, knocking-on-your-ass IPA. Or West Coast. West Coast what? Whoa, Lord. <laughs> You're going to be throwing up gang signs and Wu-Tang. You know it is. Wu-Tang for life. Wu-Tang forever. <laughs> oh, Lord. Someone help me. I won't forget where I came from, though. We'll put some street in Stephen's country. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's all I got for that part of the segment. So, what? I know we talked about uh, I know we talked about the beers in the other segment from uh, Fire Forge that we had, and each of us had a flight, and I think all three of us had one beer in common at least, which is yeah. ironic. Um, but we've uh, refueled, so. And all three different ones this time, I think, right? Mm-hmm. One can help. <laughs> Mine was one of the four that I drank. So well, that's okay. Hmm? What you, what you, what do you have? John Hopcock. When you're APA. Yep, that hazy, just they're one of their flagship hazy IPAs that I've got to get a four pack of before I leave. Interesting. You know, out of the IPAs I tried, a hazy was not one of them, and the hazies are what got me into IPAs to begin with. So, well, I don't actually, I don't know that they call it a hazy. It's just very hazy in color. Hazy in color, hazy in flavor. What about you, Mister Mister Chase? I got. I started. I got three quick little pours. Um. One of which was the Lulo, which is a hazy pale. That is the hazy pale. And when we and a, a style that I probably wouldn't gravitate towards, but when we were at our friends at Thirteen Stripes, I had a hazy pale called uh, Hop Crush My Mind, and I loved mm. it. So I'm here. I'm looking for something different that I didn't already have with our interview with, with uh, Brian and Ken from Fireforge. I mm. saw hazy pale. I'm like, all right, let me see if I can go two for two with this. Wait, and so you're saying a hop crush my mind is a hazy pale? Yes, it is. I haven't got to that one yet. I need to get to it. Yes, you should. So I like pales. I like hazies. I like hoppy lagers. So sounds like a recipe for bliss. So the lulau, you should try the lulau as well. This is super juicy, very, um, I don't want to say hop forward because it's not very bitter, but it's not... It's that nice balance. It's a, you know Brian talked a lot about balance in his beers, and mm-hmm. this one is very very balanced. It's got the juiciness of a hazy. It's got the smoothness of a pale. Very very good. Definitely on par with the hop crush my mind. Hazy pales. Maybe that's my new favorite style. I don't know. Well, you know, beer is constantly evolving. So, what was the third one? Oh, and then what was, was, was the second one? We. Well, <laughs> I lost count. This one is day, day on the Lake. This was, you insinuated it. I don't know if you were intending to challenge me to get a Pilsner with a little something extra, but I, I did. 
<laughs> All right, so we're 12 episodes in. You guys have been challenging me for 11 of them, so it's my turn. Yeah. Well, this is good. This doesn't taste like I had a little sip of uh, one of yours, and I won't spoil it before you get to it, but mm. that one tasted more like a Pilsner to me. This one, it looks like a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. I can certainly see myself through it. And um, everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> But it's super smooth and uh, refreshing. It, it's definitely got that Pilsner with a little extra to, to it. We like a little extra around here. Now, the third one we talked about, um, Brian and Ken talked about it. It was their small batch, their tiny batch they just did. It was concussion protocol. They did uh, the teams to the Super Bowl. And um, called concussion protocol. And it's, they infuse it with Wheaties. And it smells like a milky, cereal, sugary type of bowl of Wheaties. And, and it tastes like cereal milk. It does. I was just going to say, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like the milk that sits in the bottom of the bowl after you eat all the bits of cereal. Yes. And you just got like a cereal flavored milk in there. Do you want to go get a bowl from the kitchen so you can drink it properly then? <laughs> It probably it probably would fool my subconscious to yes. make me think where should have saved should have saved my should have saved my mac and cheese bowl. <laughs> Throw on some cartoons and call it a day, you know. That's right. It's like a good old Saturday morning in the nineties. All right. Maybe not the nineties, or the eighties. Eighties, nineties, it's all good. Seventies. Stephen, you're only like three years older. So oh, I know. It's the same. It's the same for you. I haven't hit forty yet. <laughs> my last year in my thirties. Well, it's a fun ride for sure. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, during the uh, interview segment, I kind of blew Chase's mind that I did not pick up any of my lighter styles. So, when I went up to get this round. I got their Leisure Services Kolsch, which is light, and it's fantastic. Uh, not bitter at all. Uh, I could see drinking a four-pack of those on a weekend, Saturday for sure. And then the uh, I kept hearing about the 80 Sacks Pilsner, so I had to get that. And it's a, it's a good Pilsner. It's got a lot of bite to it. So maybe you should try that the next time you're here, Chase. I think you might enjoy it. Ah. Ah. Does it smell like a pilsner? It doesn't taste like a pilsner. Okay. Maybe a little kind of cross between a, a good pilsner and a hoppy pilsner. A pilsger. Pilsger. Or a logsner. Well, pilsner and lager, they're in the same family, so. <laughs> All right, well. This show is going down the stream quickly. <laughs> well, before it goes down the stream more, let's say one final thank you to Brian and Ken for hosting us at Fireforge Brewery in downtown Greenville. Beautiful weather out here. The lights above the beer counter were shining bright. And, uh, boys, what, what else do we have to add before we say goodnight? Well, it's keep not 903. Yep. Keep, keep downloading. <laughs> Just keep listening to our crazy antics, and you won't. There's no telling what you'll hear over here, or who you'll hear being interviewed. Keep downloading, drink local. Drink yes, local. it seems like every time I turn around, there's new breweries popping up. So, 
Great, bring them on because we need content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As always, find the mayor on Instagram at Southern Bling Beer Reviews. Find Wayne the Sage on YouTube. Wayne's Beer Delivery on Instagram by the same name at Wayne's Beer Delivery. And your Shirley producer, humble correspondent Chase on TikTok and Instagram at Nutmeg to Palmetto. Gentlemen, you hear that familiar beat? We're just boys. And we like beer. Great best kind of hazy. Lord will make it clear. We're just boys. We like beer. We like beer. If you think that that sounds hazy, then Lord will make it clear. We like Blondales, IPAs, cider stouts in the USA. We're just boys. We like beer. We're just boys. We like beer. Upstate beer.